so Senator Martha McSalad, m- oh man, Senator. <laughs> Oh, it's been a long <laughs> week. Our brains are dead. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Let me try that again. Hi, everyone. Today's episode will be the first part of a mini series focusing on the competitive races that will decide which party has control of the Senate after the 2020 election. In this episode, Me and Alex will talk about Alabama, Michigan, Arizona, and Maine. Hope you enjoy. All right. Hi, everyone. We're back for the second episode of A New Perspective. My name is Brian Bonnet. I'm Alex Jarecki. And we're here to talk about something a little bit different today, not just an article that a student has written, but we're here to talk about the 2020 election. But not for president. We're going to be talking about the outlook for the Senate. So to start off, currently, uh, the Senate is controlled by Republicans with a 53 to 47 majority. Uh, 12 seats that are held by Democrats are up for election this cycle, and 23 seats held by Republicans are up. So currently, with that uh, Republican majority, the Democrats need to win back at least a total of three seats uh, if they win back the White House, and four if they don't to take control of the Senate. Now, the, I think the first thing we should talk about is why the Senate is important. And I think the first example that comes to my mind is the Supreme Court and the uh, rejection of Merrick Garland and the subsequent confirmation of Justice Gorsuch. So for those who don't know, um, during 2016, uh, Justice Scalia on the Supreme Court passed away and President Obama nominated Merrick Garland to fill the seat, and the Republican-controlled Senate basically just said no. Um, And so there's a lot of worries that if Democrats uh, don't take back the Senate, uh, the same thing could happen to the next president. So uh, the, the Senate does a lot of important things like confirming judges, confirming cabinet members, and of course passing legislation. And if Mitch McConnell is in charge of the Senate while a Democratic president is in the White House, their outlook for getting anything done is probably not great. Which is exactly what happened to Obama. Right, yeah. So um, he, he had control of the Senate, and then throughout his time as president, that majority sort of got eroded away. Even though Democrats took back the House in 2018, uh, they haven't really been able to get anything done because anything that's passed by the House has pretty much been blocked in the Senate. Yeah, there's so. there's an insane number of bills that have been passed through the House and have not gone to vote in the Senate. So yeah, to start off, um, let's talk about Alabama. So not a state that most people would assume is going to be a close race or assume is going to be important um, because it is so heavily favored to Republicans most of the time. But in 2017, in a special election, Uh, Doug Jones, a former U.S. attorney, won the seat against Roy Moore, who was the former chief justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. Now, this seat was left vacant by Jeff Sessions, who became attorney general. One of the reasons why Jones was able to win this race was because Roy Moore was accused of unwanted sexual advances towards teenagers and even uh, non-consensually touching a 14-year-old while he was in his 30s. So, Roy Moore... 
terrible person. Bad dude. Bad guy. And, <laughs> Don't um, want him in the Senate. And yeah, definitely do not want him in the Senate. Um, no matter what party, I think we can we can agree that that you know predators should not be in the Senate. Yeah. Um, and so because of this, Jones uh, got a massive outpouring of support, um, both in Alabama and across the country, and was able to win the seat by 1.7 points, uh, becoming the first Democratic senator in Alabama since the 90s. Um, so this cycle, Republicans are seen. Alabama as a pretty pretty nice place to pick up a seat, um, considering you know usually it's a Republican held seat and Trump is um, massively popular there. Doug Jones is the incumbent, but you know if you could guess, this is going to be difficult for Doug Jones. So he, based on the polls, it's uh, you know it's his favorability or unfavorability varies, but some polls have found him uh, as bad as. Uh, 32 to 47 unfavorable, which is really not good. Uh, others had him favor up favorability wise by like five or six points, um, but it seems as that he's actually on the decline. And I think one of the main reasons for this is some some votes he's taken against the president. So that includes he voted to convict Trump in both charges in the Senate, uh, and he voted against Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Um, so it seems as though the people of Alabama are actually as conservative as we all thought because it's not looking great for Doug Jones. I mean, at least they didn't want to elect a predator. You can say that for them. <laughs> we, I guess we can say that much. They're, they're doing better, I guess, on, on, on that front. Um, so because he has no primary opponent, Jones does have one slight advantage. He's able to raise a lot of money and basically not have to worry about a, a primary opponent like challenging him and you know causing inter-party fights where the Republicans don't have that. So Jones currently has about $5.5 million, um, and he can use all of that against his Republican opponents, whereas each of the Republicans have between one to two, two and a half million dollars on hand, but they, uh, especially with the polls being as close as they are, they could have a pretty long primary, which could end up helping Jones. So what do you think about this one? Um, I want to say that I can be optimistic, but I don't have very high hopes. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair to say that. It's, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a massive uphill battle with more floundering in the primary. It looks like he'll have an opponent without the baggage of being a sexual predator, <laughs> which will, will certainly make things harder for him. So, so this one um, is not looking good for Doug Jones. So up next, what are you going to talk about? Let's talk about Michigan, which is my home state. I was about so, to say, isn't that yeah, where you're from? It is, so I'm very excited to talk about this. All right, so um, Michigan is a swing state in the 2020 election. It's really important that Democrats pick it up if they want to win. Um, it was one of the states that led to Trump's victory in 2016. Before that, they hadn't voted Republican since the 1980s. So it was a pretty reliably blue state until the 2016 election. Um, but they, uh, we also elected a Democratic governor in 2018 after a two-term Republican governor, um, Rick Snyder, who was 
largely criticized for um, the Flint water crisis, so that definitely damaged, I think, Republican, uh, like, standing in the state. Um, so, and then half of Michigan congressional districts are currently represented by Democrats. That's a lot to do with um, Detroit. So Gary Peters uh, picked up the seat in 2014, replacing the retiring Democratic incumbent. Uh, according to 538, he votes with Trump about 28% of the time, so he might be a little bit more willing to side with Trump than some of the more like progressive senators are, the ones that are in more reliably blue states. Um, He's also working with a 37% approval rating versus a 29% disapproval. So, like, overall, Michiganders are okay with him. Uh, So his biggest challenger, we haven't had the primaries yet, but um, sort of the predicted challenger is John James, uh, who is a veteran businessman and was actually the 2018 Senate nominee to pick up the other seat. Uh, He lost that election by 6.5 points, which was a much, much closer um, race than previous elections had been. Mm -hmm. So that sort of put him at the forefront of being the likely nominee for this election. So James raised more money in fundraising than Peters did in the last quarter of 2019. He raised $3.5 million to Peters' $2.5 million, um, but Peters still has more fundraising overall. Mm -hmm. Peters actually has a record level of cash on hand for a Michigan Senate race, so that is good for him like going into the general election. Um, there are lots of Republicans and conservative groups that really don't want Peters to keep his seat. The shocking. De- yeah, very shocking. If you can believe um, it. If, yeah. The DeVos family of, uh, yes, Betsy DeVos, uh, gave $800,000 to a super PAC that's aiming to unseat Peters. Um, so he has a lot of big money donations working against him. Uh, But it looks like overall, like the fact that his favorability is pretty decent, that he has, that his fundraising has been pretty good, I think gives him a bit of an edge. Mm -hmm. Um, He is leading James by an average of about five points in polling. So it's probably a little bit closer than Peters would like, but he still has that advantage. Yeah. And one of the things that is like a trend in Senate races is that if you're a first-term incumbent, your incumbency advantage is smaller than mm-hmm. others. So, like, that first re-election that you have is always the hardest one. Yeah. And once you get that, you're sort of, like, locked into that scene until you Forever. die. But <laughs> yeah. it, it seems like that first one might be might be the biggest challenge. Yeah. So, Michigan hasn't had a Republican senator since the 2000 election. So, this could be... Um, that could be the first one in two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think... That sort of speaks to the, what the trend might be overall for the 2020 race, including the presidential one. Like, I think if Trump wins Michigan again, it could be really bad for Peters. Yeah. But I think if the Democrats take Michigan back, it... He should probably, be safe. Yeah. Yeah, so out of those eight races that I listed at the start, Michigan is the only one that is actually leaning Democrat. So the other ones are either toss-up or leaning Republican. So that gives you an idea about what sort of an uphill battle this is going to be for the Democrats. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, that sounds like a pretty competitive race, at least, even even if maybe James won't be able to unseat him. The fact that he's making it so close is, is worrying yeah. if you're a Democrat. All right, so uh, next up is Arizona. This one is really weird. All right, so incumbent senator Martha McSally in Arizona was appointed in 2018 by the governor 
to fill the seat left open uh, after former Senator McCain passed away. Uh, this happened right after she lost the other Arizona Senate race to Kirsten Cinema by 2.4 points. And so unlike former Senators McCain and Flake, who were both, you know, I guess, anti-Trump Republicans who, who broke ground with him occasionally, she has strongly committed herself to the Trump cause. Um, here's, a, here's a good quote saying, quote, we are going to be ground zero for President Trump's reelection and we are ground zero to keep the Senate majority. So that tells you her strategy going into this. What a quote. Yeah. And so her presumptive opponent is Mark Kelly. Uh, so Kelly is a former pilot for the U.S. Navy and was selected to be an astronaut for NASA. He flew several astronaut missions, and he's also the husband of former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, who um, was actually survived an assassination attempt. She was shot in 2011, and since then um, she has sort of become a figure in the gun control advocacy. And so Kelly is her husband, and he was in the news after after the shooting there. And so he is now launching his own political career. So polling-wise, this looks like to be another close race. Um, you know, Cinema won in 2018, and now Kelly is looking to sort of follow that same playbook that, that Cinema took, which is, you know, being a moderate, uh, winning independence is like a big part of that strategy. So Kelly has actually been leading in polls done of the race. Another worrying sign, like I said, is that Kelly has a significant lead with independent voters. Um, some polls have it as high as 20 points. Kelly is currently fundraising at a much higher rate than Senator McSally. So this race looks to be uh, a main area of pickup for the Democrats. Trump is currently at minus one approval, uh, according to Morning Consult. That's probably not a great sign for McSally because... In the Senate, she's voted with him 95.4% of the time, compared to Cinema, who is the other senator, has voted with him 52% of the time. So that's a, that's a stark contrast. And, you know, if Arizona is known for having moderates, independent-minded senators, Sally is not painting herself as that. Um, in fact, her strategy is to try and uh, break... Kelly's image as a moderate by tying him to popular left-wing figures like Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, Ilhan Omar. They've all been pictured together in ads that the McSally campaign has released. So I would say that this is one of the races to watch. If there's a, a Democrat that can really energize the Arizona base, it could be a massive gain. You know, they could flip this Senate seat and flip the state in the presidential election. That would be massive for the Democrats. I think this is like an interesting trend for a lot of Republican senators because they've tied themselves so closely to Trump that they're really like banking on him winning re-election. Because like it's the same case like in Maine that yeah. they're so willing to like be on Trump's side and show how loyal they are to him that if their state decides that they don't want Trump re-elected that it's really going to hurt yeah. the Senate. Yeah, that was one of the things about um, the Alabama primary that was super interesting is basically all the Republicans are trying to prove who likes Trump the most. Like, all of their ads <laughs> are about, like, how strong of a Trump supporter they'll be in Congress. It's really crazy, I'm actually. best friends with Donald Trump. No, that's actually what it is. And so they're, they're banking on the fact that 
Trump is going to be able to do what he did in 2016 and basically make the Democrats unpopular. Shall we talk about Maine? We shall. Alrighty. So Maine, I think, is going to be one of another like really interesting one to watch. Currently, the seat is held by Susan Collins, who is the uh, most unpopular senator in the entire Senate. Ooh, she has that uh, hurts. She has a worse approval rating than Mitch McConnell. And last, and it's crazy because what's even more crazy about that is that you know the leaders of parties are always more unpopular than their rank and file members. Yeah. So the fact that she's more unpopular than the Republican majority leader in the Senate, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, so she's last I checked she was sitting at 52% disapproval. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's bad. So she to yeah. 42% <laughs> approve. Oh no, that's really bad. It's really bad for her. So a little bit about Susan Collins. She's been in the Senate since 1997, makes, which makes her the most senior Republican woman in the Senate, which the number of women Republicans in the Senate doesn't say a lot. Yeah, but, I think it's pretty low. Yeah, I think it was like nine women total to like the Democrats, I think, have a little under 20. So Quick Google search says we're gonna... there are nine Republicans, yep. yeah, compared to the 17 Democrats. Yeah. When she was first elected in 1997, she pledged to only serve two terms. That was a lie. Um, really? She's wow, that's... I've, I've never heard that. Wild, right? But, like, she said she was only going to serve two terms, and then she ran for election again. She's now in her fourth term. Uh... She voted with Trump about 68% of the time. She did vote to confirm Kavanaugh, um, but her position in the impeachment inquiry was pretty interesting. She was one of the Republicans that they thought might switch to vote um, against Trump because it might hurt her reelection prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she refused to sign a resolution that opposed the inquiry, and she was also one of the Republicans that voted for witnesses in the Senate trial, uh, which obviously that vote failed, um, but then she also voted to acquit. One of the interesting things I think about Collins is that she's always someone that uh, Democrats see as like a, a gettable vote in things. Um, I think mainly because she did vote to um, keep the Affordable Care Act in place, um, back in, you know, 20 years ago in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lifetime ago. <laughs> but it, it really seems like Democrats are always, like, feeling that Susan Collins is gonna, gonna you know, buck her party and, and vote with the liberals. It doesn't happen as much as they would hope. Yeah. So Collins' biggest challenger is Sarah Gideon. She is a speaker of the main House of Representatives, um, and a poll showed her up by just one point, uh, which obviously... Collins or Gideon? Gideon. Okay. So they showed her beating Collins by just one point, which obviously is a very slim margin. Yeah, definitely but, within the margin of error. Um, Collins was reelected to her seat with 67% of the vote in wow. 2014. So the fact that Gideon has even the slightest lead over her, I think, sort of speaks to how much, like... Collins' prospects have changed since Trump's election. seriously. Uh, So Gideon also outraised um, Collins in the last quarter of 2019, which a lot of Gideon's money is coming from out-of-state donations, so it's a lot of people from outside of Maine who want to see Collins unseated. Interesting. But, like I said, um, like, Trump has really changed things for her. 
so 37% of Mainers were disappointed with Collins' actions in the impeachment trial, and that definitely contributed to the fact that her approval rating has been dropping more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, Maine, so, yeah, Maine is so interesting in that regard. So the other senator is, is an independent, yeah. one of two independents in the Senate, but he caucuses with the Democrats. Yeah. And then in presidential elections... So Maine has a a different system of awarding their votes, and there's always like some thought that their extra electoral vote might go to the Republicans. So Maine is a really weird state yeah. electorally. It's so strange, and they had a Republican governor until recently, and then they switched to a Democrat. Yeah. It's really it's a really interesting state electorally. Yeah. So I think just based on Collins' unpopularity. Um, the chances that she'll be unseated have definitely increased. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would mean a lot like for Democratic victories overall if Democrats can unseat the most senior um, woman senator uh, and flip this seat that's been held by her since 1997. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's all for today, folks. Hope you tune in next time.